Hello, this is Anne, the Multimedia Director of Kearney First United Methodist Church, and you're listening to our Sunday Morning Sermon Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and uplifted as you listen to this sermon. Thank you for turning in. Let us pray. God, you speak to us as we read Scripture. Send your Holy Spirit, therefore, to open our ears, hearts, and minds so that we may hear your message for us today. Amen. So we are in the book of Luke for all of this season of Lent. One of the invitations is that if you would like to take up a Lenten practices, reading the Gospel of Luke from now until Easter would be a, way, uh, a practice you could do. All of our scripture readings for this season will come from Luke. Uh, but this is also the traditional reading for the first Sunday after Ash Wednesday. So Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, by, at the Jordan where he was baptized, uh, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. For, where he, for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, A man, sh- man shall not live on bread alone. The devil showed him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that they will not, you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all the, this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Here ends our reading. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, breathe in me and breathe in us that as we ponder Scripture and our lives together, we may see the, the intersection of your grace with all of who we are. In Jesus' name, amen. So in a rhetorical fashion, which you don't have to respond back aloud, what are some things that you deeply believe are true about God? What are those things that you believe about God that uh, have been a, a means through which God has acted in your life? And How have you experienced God in the midst of your everyday life? What 
While it's not uh, about God per exactly, and uh, I don't, I'm not going to spend time trying to convince you it is, uh, in J.R.R. Tolkien's uh, Lord of the Rings novel, uh, it's a novel built into five books. In the sixth book, Samwise Gamgee uh, has an epiphany that shows him something that he believes to be deeply true about the world. See, uh, he is accompanying the faithful friend and partner uh, with Frodo, the ring bearer, and their uh, only job, uh, if it's a small one, is to carry this ring of power into the land of Mordor, climb Mount Doom, and throw it into the pit. From whence it came, it will be destroyed. But in the sixth book, uh, Sam and Frodo are running out of, or have already run out of, hope and courage. They walk in a land of near darkness. Even the day seems dark. And so one day, Sam tells Frodo to go to sleep first, and he'll stay up to watch. And as he's watching, eventually he gets sleepy and stands up to move a little bit uh, and looks out to the west and over uh, the mountains uh, sees a little break in the clouds and the bright light of a star shining. And this is what Tolkien says about this. He saw peeping among the cloud rack above a dark tor high up in the mountains, this white star, it twinkles for a while. And the beauty of it smote his heart as he looked up out of the forsaken land and hope returned to him. For like a shaft, clear and cold, the thought pierced him that in the end the shadow was only a small and passing thing. There was light and high beauty ever beyond its reach, and putting away all fear, he cast himself into a deep and untroubled sleep. As I said, it's not particularly God exactly, unless you are a a token fanatic, and then you might make some connections. But he sees something that is deeply true in his life that changes his outlook and his future. I think Jesus holds on and clings to some things that he believes to be deeply true about God in our text for today. Now, some faithful and thinking Christian folk will, are fine with a, a literal experience or reading of this text in which Jesus uh, is tempted by a person, a spiritual figure called the devil Other folks uh, who are faithful and uh, thinking Christian folks will read and say, well, it's more like Jesus is uh, battling his own figurative demons. And I say this and acknowledge this only to say we might be of different minds of this experience of Scripture, and yet I don't think that's the main point. Because what we know is that Jesus is in this wilderness space. 
perhaps one that we can relate to in some ways, a space of isolation or loneliness, a space uh, in which we might come to feel abandoned, a space in which we don't feel like we have enough of ourselves, courage or stamina or strength or skill or resources to continue. place in which we may feel alone. And so whether Jesus encounters the adversary, which is how the Greek uh, translates the Hebrew in this passage, then, or whether Jesus is wrestling with his own sort of spiritualized or metaphorical demons, doesn't change that Jesus shows us something important about being human. And something important about who God is and how we might cling to God. See, every time the adversary speaks to Jesus, uh, he uh, uses Scripture to talk with Jesus. But every time Jesus responds back, he too responds with Scripture. In your engagement, she asks, where did these responses come from? They come from the book of Deuteronomy, uh, and particularly near Deuteronomy 6, which is called the Shema, or the, the, the prayer, the Shema. Now, this Jesus, when the adversary asks, will, will you make your own way to satisfy your needs? Jesus responds, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. When Jesus is tempted to uh, worship that which is not God in order to gain power, he responds, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And when he's tempted to prove God is with him, Jesus says, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Now, at the very least, we see in this scene, Jesus clinging to God in the midst of temptations, regardless of the forms that it takes. And what we see Jesus do is that uh, he clings to God through his understanding of God revealed in Scripture. Through Scripture, God equips Jesus to cling to God so that he can faithfully live even in the face of temptation. And perhaps that's exactly what we need sometimes in our lives. Remember, I began with these questions. What do we believe deeply to be true about who God is? And we can believe lots of things about who God is, but uh, there are probably some characteristics or understandings of God that are most important and most operative in our lives. Things that become like a star shining through the deep darkness, as it was for Samwise Gamgee. 
See, as pastor, I have the privilege and honor of stepping into spaces with folks in times that uh, no one would wish upon even their enemies. Uh, and it's a humbling experience for me. But I get called, I believe, because in part we have this understanding that the, somewhere in the role and office of pastor is that that person, in some sort of special way or unique way, carries the presence of God into the spaces they go. And so I get called because people have this sense of needing the presence of God. And it's in these moments, uh, perhaps it's uh, a, a tragedy or a sickness or something has gone uh, frustratingly wrong in our lives, or there are some points at which uh, our family relationships or other relationships are just not working as we'd expected them. But in these experiences, we grasp onto what we know to be most true. And so people will say things or ask things of me that give us little hints about the things that we believe are most true about God. Some will say, I just don't know why God did this, Pastor. And we can see now on the space away from some of our emotion in that, that one of the operative uh, views of God at this point, when we ask that sort of question, is that we believe that God is all-powerful and all-knowing and is in control of everything. And so uh, the logic goes that uh, because we believe that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and in control of everything, that God must have done this thing in our lives. Other folks uh, experiencing the same sort of situations uh, may say, this thing is, that we're experiencing is, is awful. It's frustrating. It's hard. I don't like it. Uh, and I believe God is good. And maybe there's an and that comes after that. Maybe there's also a but that comes after that. But the the operative view of God here is clearer. We believe God is good at the core of God's being. So when we ask, what do we believe most about who God is? It's not just a theological exercise, but it's an exercise on our Faith grounding. So it's not just things we say, but things that are the way through which God works in our lives and the ways through which we cling to God. And so, as Jesus says in Luke and in Matthew in, uh, 6 and 7, we know a tree by its fruit. So if the fruit of our things that we cling to... Uh, before that. See, this is, uh, it's also important to say that each of these statements, God is all-powerful, all-knowing, uh, and in control of all, and God is good, are, are both supported uh, in Scripture. They are both seen and experienced in the person of Jesus. They are both uh, 
continued to be vivified in our experience. They are illumined by our tradition. There are hymns and songs aplenty to, that we sing and that we say to name God as all-powerful and God as good. But if we know a tree by its fruit, then one of these when we face our own temptation, our own trial, and our own struggle, seems to have more fruitiness to it. Because one can lead us to places, though true, and though a statement of our faith uh, can lead us and bear the fruit of despair and frustration and doubt that God is good, while the other can be like that light shining in the darkness for Samwise Gamgee, a source of hope and courage in the face of challenge. We know a tree by its fruit, so what do we believe deeply about God? And how do we get there? Well, when we see Jesus, uh, remember, he responds in temptation with quick words of Scripture. Uh, and we don't know uh, Jesus' Scripture reading practices. We don't see him carrying scrolls of Torah around. And yet we see evidence throughout the Gospels that Jesus deeply knows Scripture. And we could say that Jesus is fully God. Of course Jesus knows Scripture. That's how it works to be God. God who inspired all of it. Uh, therefore, he just has it memorized. Could be. But we might do well to also remember that Jesus is, is fully human. And we do know how human people learn stuff. Well, I mean, some, some times. And we know how Jesus as a Jewish rabbi would have been schooled in Scripture. Because Jewish uh, people, uh, particularly males, would have been raised up through Scripture stools, schools led by teachers and rabbis, a, a process of memorizing and then interpreting and reciting Scripture. And to be a rabbi, then, is to be one who has made his way of, being, of knowing Scripture and interpreting it well for others and with others. So Jesus comes to know Scripture through study and through prayer and through re reflection and through repeated engagement. And it's through Scripture that he then clings to God, giving him hope to be, and courage to be faithful in the midst of temptation. For us, then, Jesus, following Jesus becomes fairly simple at least in, in theory or in idea. Because we long to be people who uh, can cling to God and know God, particularly when we experience challenging times or temptations. We also long to just live deep and fulfilled and enriched lives by God's presence. And Jesus today invites us to find that which we truly and deeply believe about God to be most true, through Scripture. But because 
Scripture we've talked about is one of our practices where we listen to God. Then we can combine uh, what we do as we listen to God with how we talk to God, which is what we talk about with prayer and worship. Uh, and this becomes a way of building relationship, listening and talking. And after all, this season is a se- uh, series on prayer, so we have to get there. But what we see from Jesus maybe inspires a couple of steps for us. The first is that we can come to know God more fully and cling to God through our reading of Scripture by memorizing Scripture. And I don't know if that's been a practice for you all, uh, but it's not always been one for me. And yet, I remember when I was in seminary, we attended uh, one church more often than others. We'd often visit around to different churches. So I wasn't there all the time, but over the course of two, two and a half years of attending worship sporadically, they would always uh, recite the passage from Malachi 3, verses 10 and 11. And I don't know the translation that they used, uh, and I wasn't always there, but somehow that language stuck in my head in a way that I can mostly still get out. They would stand before the offering and say, Bring all the tithes into, the storeho- into my storehouse, says the Lord of hosts, so that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, says the Lord of hosts. Now, I'm not sure that I love using that scripture uh, as an invitation to offering. And yet, in speaking that scripture regularly, it somehow has gotten into my heart and into my head and into my mouth in ways that are impactful because I hear in it some things that I believe to be deeply true about who God is. That God is abundant in God's generosity. And that God is also uh, seeking for the good of the world through our generosity. So what things do we cling to about who God is through which God gives us courage to face each day? Perhaps finding a scripture that we can memorize uh, or holding on to one and reciting it uh, and, or reading it until we have it memorized is a way through which God will help us cling to God for the good and the bad days. And the other way that we might uh, engage with scripture in a way that Jesus would have uh, is through uh, a sort of praying scripture. And this has been a, a tradition that l- Jewish folk have done for hundreds of years before Jesus, and continued to do. From Deuteronomy 6, uh, 4, we have this prayer, the Shema, which means hear, which is on your engagement sheet. And so this is how the passage goes. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your foreheads and hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. 
Can we go back to the beginning of those two, Anne, please? So if we're seeking to pray Scripture, then one of the ways we might do it is, like we do in worship, begin with a brief prayer. Something like, Spirit, illumine that which I read that I may know you. Breathe. And we seek to read. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And maybe we get that far, or maybe we didn't even get that far. And we begin to take those lines and not just reflect on them, but uh, talk them back to God. Hear, O people of God. Yes, God. I want to hear. But frankly, you seem very quiet. Hear. Yes, God, I, I want to listen. And I've made my world so busy. Hear. Oh, God, help me hear. The Lord your God is one. The Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. What does that look like, God? I want to let you be God alone. But I might sometimes be tempted to set up other little gods beside you. I want to let you be the one who I adore most, love most with my heart and soul and mind and strength. That is with all my being. But what does that look like, God? Show me what, what else I give top place in my heart and soul and mind. For I want to hear and to love and to live with you. So that might be a model for how we can pray Scripture, and we can do that with Deuteronomy 6, the Shema prayer. It might be something similar to what Jesus himself did. That I listed other scriptures that might be good resources for you uh, to do this praying of scripture together in our own practices. The way we engage then uh, is that through scripture, God helps us cling to God's self for the good and the bad and in-between days so that we may be faithful. God helps us cling to God when we read Scripture in such small ways that help it to get deep within us, not so that we can just repeat the words, but so that something lasts and lingers about who God most truly is. So we need to not be uh, willy-nilly in our picking of Scripture probably for that. We find the Scriptures that contain that which is most useful because we know a tree by its fruit. And then we pray these scriptures and let these words of scripture become our prayer. So God not only speaks to us, but we get to use words that God has given us back with God.
So may we spend this season of Lent discovering something of who God most truly and deeply is in our lives. May we then experience God equipping us to cling to God for all our journeys. And may we then, like Jesus, have a response that helps us cling to God. And may we, like Sam, discover hope that gives us courage to walk forward. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have found the topics mentioned today to be thought-provoking and meaningful. For more information about our church, ministries, and upcoming events, check out our website at carneyfirstumc.org. If you'd like to join us on Sunday in person or on live stream, our traditional services are at 8.15 and 11 a.m. and our modern service is at 9.30 a.m. We look forward to seeing you next week. And until then, go in peace and may God bless you.